We want to uh, especially thank those. I know there are many who are joining us from online and other countries. We have you guys remember Haran, right? Haran was a, a part of this church while she was here. She's back in Jamaica, and she's been watching us pretty consistently from Jamaica. So hello to all our friends in Jamaica who are watching this morning, and hello to you, Haran. Now my in-laws are watching from Arizona, and I know that we often have guests from Sweden that are watching our service. And uh, so we have people from all over the country that have been watching our service online. So I want to say a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you're joining us this morning online. If you're a guest with us today, what I would ask you to do is right in the pew in front of you, you'll see in the rack this connection card. And this is just our way of being able to connect to you, of course, to ask any, or answer any questions you may have about the church. We want to be able to connect with you and talk to you about that. And you'll see on the back also is a place called Prayer Requests. Now, we consider this a very important aspect of what we do as a church because we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. And we gather together on Wednesday nights, we pray over requests, and uh, God will be moved a lot of times on these Wednesday nights, and we've seen answers to prayer, and we're believing for even more answers to prayer. So take a few moments to write a prayer request on here. Also, if you turn in a prayer request in the past, and things have changed, and things have gotten better, put a praise report on there. And even if you have a turn in the request, if you have something that you want to praise God for, we want to praise God with you. So take a moment to do that. You can wait. There's a little box on there, confidential for leadership only, or public in the church, so that we can all be praying. We want to give you that privacy, though, if you'd like just to go to leadership and you want to be able to pray with you. This morning, I want to start off with a story about a little girl named Patty Mae Wyatt. She was a six-year-old girl who lived near Grace Baptist Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the Sunday school was very crowded at this particular church. And Russell H. Conwell, who was the pastor of the church at that time, told her that one day they would have buildings big enough to allow everyone to attend. She said, I hope you will. It's so crowded, I'm afraid to go there alone. He replied, when we get the money, we will construct one large enough to let all the children in. Two years later, in 1886, Patty made one. After the funeral, Hattie's mother gave the minister a little bag that they had found under their daughter's pillow, containing 57 cents in change that she had saved up to give. When there was a note in her handwriting to help build bigger so that more children could go to Sunday school. The minister changed all that money in into pennies, and he offered each penny for sale. He received $250. Four of the cents were given back. The two hundred and fifty dollars was itself changed into pennies and sold into something that was newly formed called the Wyatt Might Society. In this way, her fifty-seven cents kept on multiplying. Twenty-six years later, in a talk entitled "The History of the Fifty-Seven Cents," the minister explained the results of the fifty-seven cent donation. Here were the results. A church with a membership of over 5,600 people. A hospital where tens of thousands of people had been treated. 80,000 young people going to the university. 2,000 people going out to preach the gospel. All this happened because Patty May invested for 57 cents. See, the theme of multiplication runs throughout the Bible. And what cannot be achieved by addition, God does by multiplication. The, the scripture teaches you reap what you sow. Only when you 
sow, when you reap, you actually reap many times more than what you sow. So what you give to the Lord multiplies. And despite what you might be thinking about this illustration, it does have its application to giving. It's really about investing. That's what I want to talk about this morning, investing. How better to invest in your own life than submitting yourself to a process of discipleship, than submitting yourself to a process of spiritual growth. And then, once you continue to grow yourself, then you begin to invest in someone else. What you have gained to help them out, to help them grow in their faith. See, like this story, discipleship has a way of multiplying and growing people. Who then, in turn, helps someone else to grow. And this is how the church grows as you invest yourself in the process of growth and invest your life into the lives of others. Now, in Hebrews chapter 5, which is 12 to 14, you sense this bit of frustration that the writer of Hebrews has with the church of his time. He says in verse 12, he says, You have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat some of food. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. Or someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Verse 14. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. This particular verse is a challenge to all of us. It's a challenge to Christ's church. It's a challenge for those who are satisfied with how things are. And it's a challenge to every one of us today. If you have known the Lord for so long, by now, you should be teaching others. Why are you disciples of others in the sense that you get here from this passage of Hebrews? I think sometimes we have the spirit that we don't need to know. don't need to know anymore. You don't need to hear the salvation message in your Often all it takes is just being one step ahead of the person you need. Why are you just still drinking milk? Milk is great for babies, don't get me wrong, but adults can't just live on milk. We'll be unhealthy if that's all we can Babies are cute for a season, but when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, and beyond, and you're still acting like a baby, it's not so cute anymore, is it? spoken by him. And we take that word and we invest it into someone else. We don't hold on to our 57 cents. That's all we give is 57 cents. We invest it into some other life. And what this leaves us with in Hebrews is a sense that discipleship is really, really, really important. And it's not just for pastors. But discipleship, spiritual growth, is for you, it's for every one of us. We're all being called to spiritual growth. That's what it will take for us to move forward in situation. That's exciting. How do you make it exciting? We flip. 
first have to decide, are we going to cycle number one and number two? How do we make that decision? Again, we've been using the book of Ephesians as our book now. We kind of talk about the different things that I believe God's calling us to do to move forward as a church. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Ephesian church. He says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith, I want to say strong faith. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love, say your love, and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you So the first thing we discover from this verse is that a disciple is not undercover. Verse 15. Ever since I heard of your strong faith, how did he hear of it? It's pretty much out in the open. Paul heard that of their strong faith and their love for God's people. In other words, what they were doing was not a secret. People knew what was happening in the church in Ephesus. People knew who the Christ followers were because of the way that they were living. They were forming quite a reputation in their community. They were becoming known. They are disciples. They are followers of Christ. Those people over there, see the way that they live? That tells you that they're followers of Jesus Christ. And in this context, discipleship was known by two things. It was known by, number one, strong faith. And number two, love. Love for one another. Love for people. Just we're starting to talk a little bit more about strong faith. Regardless of what happens in our world, we just sing this in vital miracles. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a hard time getting through songs because the word is just kind of hitting but regardless of what happens in our world as followers of Christ, we should be people known as having a strong faith. When all seems to be going wrong, our faith remains strong. When COVID numbers rise, we continue to trust God. When violence seems to be taking center stage in our world, we continue to have a strong faith. Now, when I say strong faith, that doesn't mean a perfect faith, because none of us have faith. We all waver in our faith from time to time. Sometimes we get knocked around a little bit, and our faith isn't quite as strong in that moment as it is in others. Sometimes our faith is stronger than others, and sometimes we struggle to trust God. Something personal on our side yesterday, we got the news that the home we've been in for the past five years. So this brought us a little bit. It's how it was We're still a little weak in our faith. But we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of him. We believe that God still works miracles today. And though it's hard looking at things in the natural, we have to believe that God will somehow provide supernatural. Don't see it in the natural. Sometimes that weakens our faith. It feels like we relate to the Father who said to Jesus, I do believe that I help you overcome that. I ask you, as a church, please pray for us. But strong faith, guys, that continues to be the rock. 
One more good cycle. It's a strong thing, even in the midst of storm. The second mark of the cycle is this love for God's people. This is a church that is not only in it for themselves. They are praying and they're supporting missionaries around the world and they're loving and they're caring for one another. And it sounds curiously like what Jesus said in the gospel written by John. It's also part of our mission statement as a church. To give hope by loving God, loving people, and being disciples. John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35 says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove the world to the world of love disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples, you are my followers, you are followers of Christ. That's going to be the proof. That's what they look to. That's what they see in you. See, when you're loving people, when you're loving one another, it gives evidence, it gives proof that you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And how do we love those that we do not know? How do we demonstrate love for one another? As a pastor, I want to encourage you to do a few things that are very practical. How we learn to learn to love and grow with one another. The first practical thing I'm encouraging you to do is to come early and to stay after. Come early and stay after. Meeting on Sunday is a good time to talk to one another in the church, to get to know one another. I try to keep services down to an hour. So Spend time talking to one another. You can ask you to stretch yourself to talk to people you don't know where you are. So part of discipleship and not staying where you are is stretching yourself a little bit beyond where you are. If you never stretch, you never grow. If you never go a little step further, you never grow. So it's a little bit of a stretch. The second thing, I'm going to encourage you as a pastor is in those conversations, think, think of ways that you can get to know one another. Maybe it's a way you can serve that person. Help them. Or maybe just encourage them in the moment. Maybe they just need someone to hear what they're going through. Maybe feel valued in that moment. Number three, if you notice someone missing, feel free to check in on them. Give them a call. Contact your church office and get contact information. You've got to raise some money to help you. So you stretch out the responsibility to us as the church, as the people of God, to check in and see if people are doing what they're doing. And it helps them know that they're part of this church. And number four, perhaps consider inviting someone to your home or leaving them a copy of the records. 
to become a disciple. It has to be something internally that you want to be, that you want to grow, that you want to grow in your faith. A disciple has to be willing because no one can be forced to become a disciple. You have to participate in it. You have to show up. You have to make it a priority in life. But Jesus didn't have a class that he got all the disciples to go through. He didn't have some kind of curriculum on them when we read the scripture and the words of his spoke. But, and I'm not against those against classes, but I really do have a place for a great way growing knowledge of Christ. But Christ simply encouraged them to follow to see the words of Jesus, to see the words of Jesus. They were around him constantly, there was this frequency. You see in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, people frequently met for prayer. And then they begin to meet daily powerful results. Acts chapter 2, verses 43 to 44 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. We talked about this this morning in prayer time before service. And there's something that when we begin to just show up, and we begin to put ourselves in places where God can speak to us, where momentum begins to happen in our lives, and we continue to grow. Because what often happens in our spiritual life is we go a little bit forward and then we hit the brakes. And then we go a little bit forward, we hit the brakes again. If you do that in your car, how far are you going to get down the road? Unless you're on this nice side of the road. But if you're doing that, jerk and stop, jerk and stop. There's no momentum growing in your life. There's no momentum happening in your spiritual growth. It is just stop and go and stop and go and stop and go, and you're not getting anywhere. Now, did these people, did these early followers do it out of obligation? When you read through scripture, do you get any sense that anybody went to these meetings because they had to? No. This is not about making people feel guilty. But think about what God can do when his people choose to prioritize becoming a disciple. When people willingly gather in his name, miracles happen. Signs and wonders take place. People begin to share one another. And it builds community. So we're not living in a time when we can afford to be relaxed in our faith or to have weak faith. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. How do we motivate one another? And we are not with one another. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. What are the scriptures you need to read in the last church, 
there's always room to grow and change. Because in each phase of life, we all need to be decidedly different. I use things in our life that change, circumstances in our life that change. And there's certain things that maybe apply at different moments in our life that didn't apply when we were we should be going in our faith and today we take that next step. Because being upset means that you're always wrong. And a big part of growth comes from just showing up. And lastly, a disciple is empowered. Ephesians chapter 1, 18 to 23. It says, I pray that their hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called. His holy people were in his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the right place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. God's power is available to his followers. He has given us his power through the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit represents the wind in our sails that helps us to move forward. You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit re- re- results in that fruit of the Spirit at work in us. And also gives us the ability and power to pray for you. How we do. How we do. See, this power we're talking about this morning is enough to raise Jesus from the dead. And this is the same power that lives within us. What is there, God? See, this gives us confidence because we don't have to rely on our own strengths or on our own weaknesses. We rely on the power of the spirit. I'm going to say a side note that I'm open to church and all of this. Some people today that denounce or downplay the role of church. I can be a Christian and not go to church. Well, technically that may be true. I believe that you will not be all that you can be. You will not fulfill all that you call to fulfill. You will not be able to hear the potential. You will not be able to suffer. Over and over again, we see that God's word makes it very clear that His church is there for a reason and a purpose. Ephesians chapter 1, 22 to 23, just read it again. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made the benefit over all things for the benefit of the individual. For the benefit of the church. That place it in all outcomes, the ones that assemble together in his name. Verse 23, and the church is his body. We can't discount that the church is the body of Christ, living and active in this world today. It is made full and complete by Christ to fill things everywhere in itself. See, Christ is the head of the church and has the authority to the benefit of the church. The church is his body and is made full and complete by Christ. Apart from the church, you will not be in the 
long, it's difficult. The way forward is to become what we've been talking about, become communication with the right motivations. Inviting people to explore, follow, and change. It's an answer, it's answering the call of spiritual growth. A discipleship is a disciple is not recovered and has strong faith in love for others. A disciple is always growing. A disciple just shows up. And a disciple is empowered. This is the call of every follower of Christ. I want to share this story in closing. My role at the church I was at in 10 years old was I was a pastor of students. But I also led the discipleship process in the church. And I taught all the classes for the discipleship process that we had. About a month ago, one of the women who went to the class posted this. Facebook and tag my name. Her name was Billy Peter. I'm just going to read it to you word for word. This is someone who went through that discipleship class. She said, Six years ago, Cole, Cole was her son, Cole got it in his head and he went to go to church. I was not working a Sunday job for the first time in 15 years. We recently moved really close to a church, so I said, Sure, why not? When we walked on the campus five minutes late and frantic, we would, we were greeted with unexplainable love. Experience in my life. Paul and I were fascinated. A four week class for newcomers was starting in two weeks, so I said, Sure, why not? In those four weeks, Pastor Joshua spoke life in my heart, ministered to my soul, and I had no idea about baptism. I had no idea I needed ministry. During the last class, we talked about baptism, and I knew it was something I wanted to do. But I needed to get myself together first, so I'd wait until the next time they did baptism. I just didn't feel like I was good enough yet. Pastor John then spoke words to me that changed my life forever. He asked me if I ever required Finn or Cole, which are her sons, to get, their, to get themselves together before I loved them and called them their children. Of course not. I love them no matter what. They never have to earn my love. It's, it's there for them forever, rather than one another. As I spoke those words, one week later, Last picture of the old man. Fifteen minutes after this picture was taken in front of God, my best friend, my daughter, and my church family had declared Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, and came out of that water washed clean of everything, born again into his family. I had a lot in that victory as I should every day since. That's of course for another day. But I have been loved unconditionally and shown in grace and mercy that only a father could have for his precious child every day since. He left the 99 to seek this one more time than I will ever know. I could never learn to deserve that. It is His grace, by His grace, I'm saved. Every day, God doesn't want to come in for me. He wants to meet me. Right in the middle of it. Keep me and walk with me. And your weakness is loving mercy and the stars. Forget who I was. Remember me.